0: Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uptena, and today we'll be looking at what a soul book is and what roles they play in the major religions and spiritualities today. A portion of the Akashic Library contains what most people think of as Akashic Records or what I call soul books. Each soul book is the complete, complex living record of an individual soul. These are the records Akashic readers seek to access when providing an Akashic reading. Each record is divided into seven sections. The first is a history of any and all physical embodiments the soul has participated in. These are generally called past lives or incarnations and are what past life regressionists work with when regressing their clients. The second section, is a complex analysis of each past life, recording the reasons for it, the outcome of all its situations, choices, and interactions, plus a results summary. This section is the report generated by each end-of-life review, which occurs directly after the soul returns to the Akashics. Past lives, or the detailed records covering an individual's incarnations, make up at least half of all soul books reincarnation, the understanding of living multiple lives in order to grow, develop, and mature as a soul, is an integral facet of most religions and spiritualities. It's a foundational feature of Buddhism, Hinduism, Jainism, and Sikhism, as well as Spiritism, Theosophy, Ekankar, Paganism, and Druidism. While not part of orthodoxy for religions of the book, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, each does have a sect which incorporates reincarnation, including Kabbalah within Judaism, the Rosicrucians in Christianity, and the Druze within Islam. Reincarnation is discussed among ancient philosophers, including Pythagoras, Plato, and Socrates. Today, evidence of reincarnation is being brought into the scientific realm via the work of Ian Stevenson, Tom Schroeder, Jim B. Tucker, And Satwat Pasricha, among others. Their field of studies use the scientific method to document past life memories in children, providing invaluable sociological data for research of the phenomena. The third section of a soul book is every fact concerning the soul which is not involved with embodiment, which for most souls comprises the majority of their existence. The fourth section is a record of their aptitudes towards service work or active co-creation. I liken this to the taking on of a career in embodied life. Once matured, a soul will take on a service position of their choosing, which fits their aptitudes, personality, and interests. As souls are not static but ever-evolving with life and experience, the nature of their service may progress, change, or develop in various ways, and all facets are recorded in this section. Sections 5, 6, and 7 of a soul book refer specifically to the current embodied life of the soul. Section 5 is a living document laying out all the preparation for the life as well as all the current interwoven goals, actions, interconnections, possibilities, opportunities, and potentialities, which are in a constant state of change and heavily intertwined with other documents in soul books. Section 6 is a live relationship map, which displays somewhat like an exotic family tree, showing all relationships past, current, potential, and desired. Section 7 translates the living information of Section 5 into a map structure, which lays out an infinitely complex grid of possibilities playing out in real time for the soul. Like a March Madness basketball or World Cup football game schedule, the map is a mass of interconnected boxes and lines, which are windows into past events, current actions, and possibilities stemming from a combination of events and our choices. Each person's soul book is live, updating in each instant through the constant flow of prana information upwards through their body, and of all those connected with them tangentially, as well as other living creatures and embodied structures. During an embodied life, this resource is invaluable for those beings who work with them, including their guides, teachers, angels, healers, and others. At a glance, these beings can see what the person is doing and what impact the action has, not only for the person themselves, but for others, and act accordingly with minimal disturbance or impact. The existence of soul books has been acknowledged by major religions in various ways beyond Hinduism, where the term akasha is derived. In the Bible, they're spoken of as the Book of Life, the Scroll of Life, or the Book of Remembrance, where the names of those who are destined for heaven or the life hereafter are inscribed. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 32 and 33, Moses asks to have his own name blotted from the book in trade for God's forgiveness for his people's sins god replies whosoever hath sinned against me him i will blot out of my book it's noted in isaiah 5 verse 3 as well as psalm 69:28 let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous also in psalm 139:16 thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Revelation 20.12 states, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of these things, which were written in the books, according to their works. Beyond the Bible... Ancient Christian texts note the existence and use for soul books. First Enoch 81.4 says, And after that I said, Blessed is the man who dies in righteousness and goodness, concerning whom there is no book of unrighteousness written, and against whom no day of judgment shall be found. In Second Baruch 24.1, it says, For see, Days are coming, and books will be opened, in which are written the sins of all who have sinned, and furthermore also the reservoirs in which the righteousness is gathered, of all who have been found righteous in creation. The Ascension of Isaiah nine twenty through 22 describes the experience of a soul book. Show me how everything which is done in the world is here made known. And whilst I was still speaking with him, behold, one of the angels who stood nigh, more glorious than the glory of that angel who had raised me up from the world, showed me a book, but not a book of this world. And he opened it, and the book was written, but not as a book of this world. And he gave it to me, and I read it. And lo, the deeds of the children of Israel were written therein. In Judaism, soul books are referred to as Sefer HaChayim. In the Quran, they're noted as the book clear record or clear guide. Al-Quran 54 verses 52 and 53 states, everything they do is noted in their records. Every action, great or small, is recorded. To the Sikhs, there are recording angels who keep our records for us in the Akashics. Quote, the angels who record your deeds are Chitra and Gupta. Chitra means picture. It is what you create. Gupta means within yourself. It's your inner essence. Chitra Gupta, as one word, means enacted thought. Every action has two phases. First the thought within, then the thought put into practice and made physical. If you think about a crime, even if you don't perform it, you have still committed yourself, and the recording angels will have it in their accounts. End quote. While formal religions document the existence of soul books and Akashic records, they relegate their use to the highest spiritual authorities, such as angels, saints, Christ, Yahweh, and so on. Humans, by religious standards, are considered capable of reading them, however the cost is seen to be high. This teaching is illustrated through one of the more important stories in Kabbalah, most famously related in the Zohar that of the four sages who travel to parties or paradise. On arriving in paradise, one of the sages looked on the divine presence and died. Another lost his sanity. The third lost his faith and became a heretic, while the fourth returned in peace. Religious texts and traditions tell us the cost of such insight is a complete transformation of the self into a state of being which makes the person incompatible with normal embodied life, such as the Buddha and Bodhisattvas. Some who see the ineffable are deemed mad because they no longer harmonize with accepted social behavioral norms. Others truly go mad, being unable to focus on the physical realm in any healthy way. And yet others simply transcend the physical, releasing to become something other, like a nymph becoming a firefly. This type of transformation is exemplified in the Jewish teaching of how Enoch became the heavenly scribe Metatron, who judges souls by the authority of God. In contrast, indigenous cultures see access to soul books and other Akashic information as a normal part of embodied life. Most have no words for spirituality or religion, for these are seen as simply an integral component of a healthy life, equal to food, water, and proper hygiene. Each individual is seen as having regular access to the Akashics for their own personal well-being, as well as for the good of the group, clan, or tribe. Somewhat like dreams, the information comes to the person through daily processes and personal ritual practices. Hence, accessing Akashic information is incorporated into a variety of activities, from formalized rites of passage, healing ceremonies, dream time, the visions of menstruating women, and so on. Medicine people... The priests or priestesses, shamans, elders, healers, and wise women of indigenous cultures are those who live their lives deeply connected both to the embodied world and to those who live in it, as well as the Akashic realm, which they consciously access for the good of the people in the world. An example of this is Black Elk of the Lakota, the last medicine man fully raised in the ancient ways of his people. His visions for his people have helped them remain a cohesive culture in the face of genocide and give insights into healthy ways of living in a global world. For millennia, both in indigenous cultures and in cultures with formalized religions, conscious directed access to the Akashics was the realm and responsibility of those called to spiritual service. Those who took on the role of elder or priest or religious leader, sacrificing a quote-unquote normal life, for the good of others, to pursue their spiritual calling and personal spiritual path. However, this began to change with the unfolding of the Victorian era. Spiritualism, a belief that spirits of the dead have the ability and desire to speak with the living, began to spread to the general public of Europe and then North America, giving insights into how spirits speak to us from across the veil, and how certain people, spiritualists or mediums, could channel this communication or foster a conversation with the deceased. Seances, readings, and occult practices were held in rented rooms or private homes and accessible to anyone who had connections and or could pay a fee. Spiritualists, unlike indigenous or religious leaders, did not have to come from a specific lineage, be trained in any way, or require the permission of a religious or spiritual authority. Anyone with a wild talent could work in the field. This, of course, led to charlatans and grifters taking advantage of the grieving, the credulous, and entertainment seekers. As anyone could claim or invent a description of what they were doing, who they were contacting, and why they were able to do it, a great many tall tales, interesting stories, and amazing cons flourished into the 20th century. It's during this time that Helena Blavatsky introduced Western audiences to the Hindu concept of the Akashic Records. Unlike the Book of Life described in the Bible, which is purported to be read only by spiritual beings, Blavatsky discussed the Akashic Records as something which could be accessed by human beings via psychic techniques already being practiced in middle and upper class Western society. These techniques became part of the Theosophical Movement and incorporated into what we now term spirituality. In the 20th century, Edgar Cayce, working from 1925 to 1945 as a Christian mystic and Akashic reader, brought the Akashic records further into the mainstream by citing them as the source he used to provide startlingly accurate psychic readings. While able to describe in detail what he experienced, he was unable to do more than suggest how others might attempt the feat themselves through Christian prayer and instruction on psychic techniques. Since the 1960s, With the influence of Hinduism and spirituality and counterculture, and the unfolding of what is now thought of as New Age spirituality, or just spirituality as a general term, greater and greater numbers of people have become acquainted with and incorporated the Akashics into their practices. Mediums connect with Akashic masters for guidance and wisdom. Healers channel Akashic energy and information to help in working with clients. Hypnosis has developed past life regression, and even life between lives, or LBL, as developed by Michael Newton, allowing the regressionist to support the client in accessing the wisdom of their guides and memories of who they are when not embodied. As we enter the 21st century, access has become even more widespread, so anyone can now consciously access the Akashics and read their own soul book. The Akashics are no longer for the few but are open to everyone who seeks to find the answers to their questions and to act on what they find. Through guided meditation, each of us can learn to consciously access the Akashic realm through our higher selves, rather than waiting to decipher dreams when they come or working to learn the balancing act of lucid dreaming. In meditation, we're an active participant, allowing our conscious mind to communicate through our already fully developed channels of dream language or the language of symbols and essential forms, to access the wisdom of other beings and of our own soul book or Akashic record. You can learn how to do this in my Akashic Reading Level 1 class, or for those who are looking for a deeper dive into their soul book, you can check out Akashic Reading Level 2. I've put links to these in the podcast description. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be taking a deeper dive into the Akashic Library, to discover what it has to offer beyond soul books, and how to work with it effectively. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. You can find all my offerings and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash terryutena. Thanks. Bye.